next episode of the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. My name is Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. And we're uh, recording, uh, once again, from our home here in Portland, Oregon. Christmasly decorated. Yes. The tree is up. The lights are on. Holiday season. That is correct. Now, I know at the end of last week's episode, if you listened, we talked about how we might be doing uh, a Christmas movie known as Die Hard. We ended up uh, going in a different direction this week. Decided instead we're going to start our ramp up to The Last Jedi. I know. We're less than two weeks away. And Star Wars is a big deal for us. We both wore Star Wars ugly Christmas sweaters today. That is correct. And so what we ended up doing today, uh, today's podcast, very special. We did it on... The Empire Strikes Back. Episode 5, even though it was the second movie that was ever made. Um, so my thinking on doing this one is the upcoming The Last Jedi is the second movie in this new trilogy. Mm-hmm. Empire is the second movie in the original trilogy. So, so we did this one on, and then next week uh, we'll, we'll do the second one in the... the the one, two, and three. No. Yes. Well, yes. Uh, oh, N- oh, incorrect. Come on. No. Next week, I, I'm sure we'll do the Force Awakens oh. in advance of the Last Jedi. Just, just suggesting, throwing it out there. If we ever feel the need to do a hate cast, we can do a prequel movie. Oh. But, so disappointed. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> So uh, normally we have a couple of beers uh, uh, that we talk about for a bit and that we drink as we're recording the podcast. This week's a little different as we did something pretty fun today. Yeah, we went to the Holiday Ale Festival. So um, the Holiday Ale Festival is an annual tradition in Portland. um, And it happens in downtown Portland, right in Pioneer Courthouse Square. Yep. Yep. it's really great. It's it's definitely set up for being cold weather ale festival. So the whole thing is tented. They have heat lamps in there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's neat. a good time. It's a, good you're, time. you're outside, but you're not cold because of how they have it set up. Correct. Uh, I actually volunteered there on Friday. Mm-hmm. I was a server pouring, uh, working three taps yes. of different, different beverages. It was pretty fun. And then we went back there today to actually try some stuff. And instead of us talk, having beers as we're recording since we already had a few today a few different kinds i should say yeah uh we're going to talk about what we had at the holiday ale festival that's right there were lots of different beers up there a lot um and it's you know winter themed so you see a Mm -hmm. lot of um clever titles out there and yeah um and it's really nice because uh it's mostly local, like Oregon and Southern Washington yeah. uh, brewers that are there, but not all. Some come from farther away, and it's just a lot of fun to kind of to see what they create because they're almost all specialty beers yeah. that they only brew specifically for this event. Yes, and and because it's winter, they're all there's a lot of dark stuff. Yes, but dark heavy beers, the thing that I enjoy. You not so much. Not so much. But we did find a couple. One yes. in particular for you. We right. did. And I will say, it's a little bit... I mean, there was a smaller selection because it's Sunday. And right, they're so out of a lot of... Because yeah. it's all limited beer, like once they're out, they're out. And it's not... Yeah. I mean, they do their best to kind of stretch the beer out for as long as possible. But it's just not possible sometimes. So, um, But we did find some um, that I enjoyed. There were a couple of IPAs. There were a couple of ciders. Mm-hmm. 
but my favorite was definitely um, from Montevilla Brew Works, which of course um, is from Portland. Um, but it was called the Severe Concussion IPA. That's a good name. It is a really good name. Um, and apparently it's part of a series, a concussion IPA series. Oh, that wow. Montevilla has Interesting. been releasing. And this is the third offering in their series. It was really, really good. Um, it was a triple IPA, lots of hops, really happy flavor, very full, not too bitter i didn't think no not at all um, tasted great 70 ibus um nine and a half percent alcohol by volume yeah um which was pretty that was par for the course for about everything we had yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it was it was quite good it was very flavorful and i really liked it and as the person who enjoys the like the winter ales and the porters and the dark stuff i will say that that i think was the best beer we had even for me Oh, the even, yeah, concussion? The concussion. Um, uh, I'm just really quickly, I'm going to run down a couple, three that I really liked. First, just, just for our friend Chris, who we saw the, or I saw the other day, who loves uh, the movie the, the Big Lebowski. There was a Big Lebowski-themed beer on tap there. that I first one I tried today, it was called The Dude Abides, which they described as a white Russian imperial stout. So... I had to try that for him, and uh, for any Lebowski fans out there, I'm sorry that, to report that I can only say that I found it okay. It's just <laughs> okay. Um, the, the two, other than the, the severe concussion, there was a, um, from Rogue Brewing, which we've talked about a couple different times, they had a, not a beer, it's called known as a barley wine, mm-hmm. called Woodsman's Wine, uh, and it tasted really interesting i really liked it it was aged in um rogue makes their own whiskey called dead guy whiskey they aged it in whiskey barrels mm-hmm. uh, another one i had that it was really good was the winter merlin from firestone walker brewing that was like a more traditional winter ale well actually it's it was a oatmeal stout and i tend to not care for oatmeal stouts but when you take an oatmeal stout and age it in bourbon barrels now you got something good stuff and huh? that was pretty good so those are were my favorites, other than the severe concussion, which was yeah, it was the best one we had today. I, I definitely thought so, and um, and I'd never heard of Montevilla Brewers yeah, before. I, um, I know that neighborhood in Portland, and it's fairly new, so I kind of feel like we need to go check it out. Oh, for sure. If there's so. a series of concussion IPAs. Oh, I know, right? Yes. So, all right. Well, let's dive in. I think rather than since normally we start out by talking about the uh, breweries and we go mm-hmm. into more detail um, but this time we did more of our survey at the Holiday Ale Festival Right. Um, I believe we have uh, you're going to talk to me about some hot movie news Hot movie news. Well, we'll see how hot it is All right. Let's we'll go. start off with a couple of things uh, Star Wars related of course so uh, the director of this new upcoming film uh, The Last Jedi Rian Johnson uh, the news the story came out, and it's you know, a week or so old, that he is going to be in charge of creating a brand new trilogy of Star Wars films, something separate from the Skywalker saga. Right. He's going to be the guy in charge of the direction. He's going to be at least the director of the first movie, probably not going to direct all three, but he's going to be the guy you know, running that story, whatever it is. What do you think of this, and do you have any ideas of what direction you would find interesting for them to go? Um, well, I think it's awesome. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I one of the things I liked so much about Rogue One is that it's not about the Skywalkers, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of cool because there's an entire universe over here A that's happening. Yeah. There are all of these rebels that are fighting. There's, you know, collaborators. There are, you know, secret agents everywhere. Um, I think it would be really great to be able to explore more of that. Um, so I'm actually really excited. Cool. Yeah. I, my, uh, there was a Star Wars game called Knights of the Old Republic, and I loved that game. And it was a great story mm-hmm. in that game as well. And I think something said in that era, like quite a ways in the past, the old, what was known as the Old Republic, yeah. I think would be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I just think there's so much to explore there that I am... I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, mm-hmm. they did a great job with Rogue One, which just kind of opens the door to really explore. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that I think that's great because there are so many other Jedis out there, not just the Skywalkers. Yeah. And I'm really, really worried that they're going to make um, Rey a Skywalker in this next uh, movie, in number two here. Yeah. I just, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I don't want that to be the case. Um, but I'm worried that they that that's yeah. what's going to happen. I know. Yep. Well, speaking of Ray, okay. My next thing is that it sounds like uh, the actress who plays Ray, Daisy, Daisy Ridley, has essentially said that after Episode Nine, whatever that movie ends up being called, that'll be it for her as it comes to playing Ray and being in Star Wars. What do you think about that? Do you think does that like make you sad? Do you think that's foreshadowing into her fate, perhaps, or is it just? Yeah, that's that's all I want to do. Um, I mean, I think that's fine. I don't think that she has to play Ray forever well, as sure. her, you know, in her acting career. I mean, you even have um, Harrison Ford, you know, wanting to have his character Han Solo to have a time limit, like to die. Yeah. In um, famously so in Return of the Jedi, wanted to be killed off. Right, and so I don't think it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens because we are talking about something that's still, what, three years away? Two years away? Yeah. Uh, so she might change her mind. She might be like, oh, this is, I actually enjoy it. But if not, I mean, she has been playing, she will have been playing Ray for six years. And I feel like, you know, as an actor, you want to expand your repertoire and I don't think there's a problem with that. And again, it gives them more reason to explore the Star Wars universe outside of the Skywalkers. Yes. And makes me feel still kind of a little bummed that, you know, after the next Star Wars movie after The Last Jedi is going to be the Han Solo solo movie. Uh, you know, and I'm sure it'll be fine, but I was just hoping, I was really hoping that these, after Rogue One, that this, these spinoff movies would be more original ideas. Yeah, but they've come up with the Han Solo. They've been kind of hanging on to the Han Solo movie for quite some time. Yeah. All right, so the last thing isn't necessarily a a, a movie news thing. I think we're just going to take a couple minutes to talk about uh, a certain movie trailer that came out this last week. (laughs) That When it came out, it ruined my productivity at at work for a while. Uh, Finally, our first look at uh, Avengers, the the Infinity War trailer. I know. What do you think? I loved it. I thought it was really it cool. It was, yeah, it was really good. I, I mean, it'll be interesting 
to see how they do it though because I mean remember when they first did the Avengers movie and and it was you know everybody marveled at how what well, ha marveled ah, to get you it you didn't mean to do that um how do you know <laughs> But um, everybody was really, you know, impressed. Like, how are they going to do this with this ensemble cast? Like, how do you how do you give all of these characters their screen time? Mm-hmm. You know, and that was just with what five of them. Yeah. And now they're gonna have all all of them twenty. What is that twenty? Something like that. You know, and they're gonna give them all quality screen time. Maybe I don't know, but I'm intrigued because you figure we've had. 20 years almost to it's been 10 it's been a Marvel Cinematic Universe has been around a decade okay maybe it feels like 20 it does, but yes it does I agree but 10 years so 10 years we've had to get to know and love all of the different Avengers mm-hmm. so and then we're going to get to see them all interact with each other and the you know the trailer actually gives you some um, like teasers to that introduction like it looks like Thor is going to meet the Guardians of the Galaxy first I'm betting that they get to like rescue Thor yeah. from from, um, Thanos, from Thanos you know but like you know just kind of that interaction is going to be hilarious and then you see the beginnings of the reunion between Captain America and Tony Stark it's so exciting yeah I love that one of the things is that you know we knew that for a long time they're building to this confrontation with Thanos. Correct. And it's always bugged me that they haven't done more to make Thanos seem really threatening. Right. He's just been a purple guy in a floaty chair. You know, why should anybody really be scared of him? And the trailer does a lot to show you why, mm-hmm. you know. Pretty great. I mean, when he punches Iron Man in the face, <laughs> there's just something so satisfying about finally seeing that for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, he has the Infinity Gauntlet, but he just has two of the I stones know. in it. That looks awesome. And then there's a the moment where you can see him trying to steal the stone off of Vision. Vision. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then, I mean, of course, you know how he gets at least one of the stones since you get to see Loki handing it over right which i did read you know one of the um many many articles that is slowly but surely dissecting the Mm -hmm. trailer apart talking about like well in the first avengers right loki works is working for for thanos right so this is kind of a little reunion between you know disgraced loki disappointed thanos yeah you wonder how that interaction is gonna play out Especially since in the first Avengers, it's all about the Tesseract. Like, Loki gets the Tesseract, Uh and that's what they use to power this little portal, you know? And, of course, what is he handing over to Thanos? The Tesseract. Right. So, it just... I I feel like, you know, you see these loops being closed a little bit, and that's going to be really cool. And one thing about the first Avengers movie you don't really realize until, really, the second Avengers movie is that there were two Infinity Stones in the Avengers movie, the scepter, mm-hmm. you know, that has the stone that ended up on the vision's forehead. Right. You know, so just thinking back to that, you know, that that was always there and you didn't really know it. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, when they're in, it looks like a lot of this takes place in Wakanda, or at least the, maybe the climactic part of it takes place in Wakanda. There's a big mm. fight that happens there anyway. Somewhere. Somewhere. I don't, we don't know that it's Wakanda. I'm pretty sure. I'm feeling confident it's in Wakanda. Yeah. But uh, when, when T'Challa, the Black Panther, 
you know, says to get this man a shield. I know. And Chris Evans steps you know, out. Steps out of the shadows. You know, uh, Steve Rogers with a beard. Captain America walks out. Any time that I happen to grow out a beard, this is how I imagine. <laughs> my. This is how, in my mind, this is how I always hope my beard looks. When Chris Evans walks out, Captain America beard on. Looks awesome. It does look good. I wonder if he's going to be going by his, you know, his other moniker that he goes by like when he doesn't go by Steve. Like when he's not Captain America, there's a period in Marvel where he's like, what, Nomad? Nomad, yeah. I wonder if he's going by that. I, I, I hope he's not going by the costume he wore when he was Nomad. No, no, no. They're not going to do <laughs> Yikes, that. Because that one's rough. But because um, you, you see him in the trailer and in other things. Like oh, he's yeah. just in, mm-hmm. you know, black. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of fun just to see everybody there. There's a human-looking vision, though. Yeah. And and that's fine because I'm a fan of Paul Bettany. Mm-hmm. But I am not sure how I feel about that. I mean, I know they're setting up the relationship between, between Scarlet Witch and Vision. But I don't know. I was kind of like, what? Yeah, maybe he can make himself look a little more human, human-y. I don't know. Yeah. We'll find out. All but right. it is going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, however, I cannot let that overshadow the fact that before we even get there, we are going to get what looks like an amazing Black Panther yeah. movie. Like, I am so excited. Those previews are awesome. And you just know whatever post credits scenes happen in Black Panther are going to be some sort of Infinity War so, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I can't even get there yet because I'm so excited about the movie. I yeah. put credit scenes. Who cares? Just a movie. <laughs> okay. All right. Anything else about the uh, Infinity War trailer? No. Okay. I'm excited. All right. Well, I think that's all we're gonna do for uh, the movie news section. Yep. And so we'll get into the movie. I know. Empire. The Empire Strikes Back. Back. We've uh, gone through, and after watching it today, we've uh, written down our three favorite parts. Um, and we're going to just share them with each other now. Spoiler alert for a movie that's over 30 years old or whatever yeah. it is. I know. I was like, does it even count as a spoiler alert I can't anymore? imagine it does. Especially not for a movie this old. Right. So we'll go back and forth sharing these with each other. We haven't shared them with each other until right now as we get started recording. I know. So I believe this time it's your turn to go first. Okay. So this is tough because... Star Wars is a big deal to me. I love Star Wars. So picking out three parts in any of the movies, especially this one, is uh, is tough. So I just went with uh, Hoth as my first thing. Just about anything that happens on Hoth, like the snow speeders zipping around over the this frozen landscape looks still to the to this day i think looks super cool mm-hmm. you know i as a kid i had a snow speeder toy one of my favorite ones you know the the stop motion animation with the tauntauns even though that's probably the most dated looking thing right. as you watch it now but those are still cool i think and i told you when you we were watching it you know when han solo cuts the one open to put luke inside to keep him warm you know they had a toy that had like the belly that would split open so you could put your did loop. the intestines fall out no there were no intestines oh. it was just like a hollow belly you could stuff an action figure in there and just I don't know, it just looks so cool you know, it was filmed in Norway um, but when they get to the battle when the Empire the Imperials finally show up and you see the ad right. the Imperial walkers 
I wanted one of those so bad as a kid. You know, the Adat toys. Mm-hmm. Never had one. Thanks, Mom. Um, but those still, I think, are like the coolest machines of war that have ever been like imagined or put on screen. Um, you know, when Rogue One, when they right. were when they were in the when they showed up in the first trailers to Rogue One, oh, that was so so cool. And just, that whole battle sequence is so much fun to watch. Um, the the rebel soldiers on the ground, uh, you know, those guys were all um, or I have it written down here somewhere. They're like rescue mountain skiers, mm-hmm. Norwegian rescue mountain skiers, and um, George Lucas like made a donation to to either Norwegian Red Cross as for uh, as kind of payment for their being in it, mm-hmm. um, and so just yeah, all the stuff on Hop, super cool. Um, I remember watching it in the theater for the first time as a kid when they take down the one ad at with the tow cables and he falls right. over. For some reason, my dad thought that was the funniest thing in the world and just laughed so <laughs> loud, just booming throughout the movie theater we were in. He thought that was so hilarious, just the way it fell over. And just that whole, just the effects, that the amount of time it must have been to film that with all the models mm-hmm. and stuff is still, I find, just incredible. And I still yeah. think it's as good as any CGI battle that they could make today. So that's what I'm going to say is my favorite part, just about all the Hoth stuff. Okay. Um, well, I really liked, um, kind of dovetailing off of that, I really liked the scenery. There's there's a variety of um, scenery in this particular movie that just create great battle scenes. So, like, you start off on, on snow, you know, just you know this planet that's just covered in snow it's super super cold and you've got this great battle and then they move into space and you get a space battle and that's great and then you go to um dagobah Mm -hmm. and it's all marshy and green and you know totally different feel and there's no fighting there but you get all the train training montage Mm -hmm. um and then you go to cloud city which is again a totally different different environment and that fight scene and so i really like it i feel like it um gives you so much to look at and again it, and it expands your uh your galaxy you know it expands what's going on and where um the battles are where are the rebels where's the empire how are they expanding you know you have cloud city which is Really, um, you know, they they talk about how they're like too small for the empire to notice, except that the empire is reaching out and mm-hmm. you know grabbing, holding on. You know, they they're paying attention now because that's where um, Han is going. So um, I just thought that was really cool to see those different scenes and to see to get these different feels about what kind of planets there are in in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed it a lot. And I loved that there are different battles and different um, in each of these different environments, um, which really does credit the um, special effects team that they really have to like, they were working on with such different environments and backgrounds mm-hmm. to create their, you know, the feel of every battle, which I thought was really cool. Also, the only movie to not involve a desert planet somewhere. 
The only Star Wars movie. Yes. That's yes. What, yes, the only Star Wars movie. That is true. Well, specifically, what, just to not involve Tatooine? Well, yeah, that, but there's like, uh, you know, Jeddah and Rogue One, you know, is okay, a desert yeah. planet, and then whatever that planet, Jakku. In, in Rogue yeah, One, okay. In, in uh, Force Awakens. Force Awakens, yes. Okay, so my second favorite thing, mm-hmm. uh, it's got to be Yoda. All right. Yoda, uh, the so the role of Yoda originally they they went to Jim Henson, which makes mm-hmm. sense. He was too busy making the Great Muppet Caper, so he suggested his friend Frank Oz, the immortal Frank Oz. I believe he's no longer with us; he passed away pretty recently. And he was the voice and the puppeteer, the main puppeteer mm-hmm. for Yoda. And pretty interesting, uh, the set of, that was Dagobah was built elevated, and Frank Oz and the puppeteers were below. So they were right. underneath Mark Hamill and the puppet itself as they worked Yoda. And there would even be times the, uh, the director of this movie, Irvin Kirshner, would, when like in between takes, would go to give direction, and he would sometimes talk directly to Yoda. Right. Instead of to the puppeteers, to Frank and the guys underneath, which I thought was funny, and um, just it's it really is a was a big gamble because mm-hmm. it's one thing for in the first uh, Star Wars movie you got the bar scene, you know the cantina, you got all these ooh look at all these crazy aliens, you know that are just kind of eye candy to look at, and, right? <clears throat> but you know they don't have anything to do with the plot; they're just there in the background and craziness. But now you actually have this, you know two foot tall or whatever it is alien character that's essentially a muppet right that is a big you know part, part a big part of your plot not just for this movie but for the your saga mm-hmm. and if it doesn't work with audiences if audiences are not willing to buy your alien as like a real you know character you're kind of screwed right you know and this suddenly turns into a very different movie you know mm-hmm. and it's not taken seriously so and it, but it totally works. I mean, you have enough, um, and, and I think, and Mark Hamill, um, who I know I've seen Mark Hamill talk about his, it's kind of tough for him to watch these movies anymore because he thinks he doesn't give the best performance in them. Uh, but really, I, I would not disagree with that. Yeah, I wouldn't either. But I believe his acting off of Yoda, in particular, I think does a does a good job selling it. That you know that this is a this is a real you know it's not a laugh to him and I'm sure right. it was hard. Oh, I'm sure. You know, but his I so his performance in dealing with Yoda I think really sells um, how Yoda as being a, a for real character. And my favorite part of all the Yoda stuff is when he pulls the X-wing out of the swamp. Right. You know, because that's some of the best you know weird reverse English Yoda lines. You know. Look at me, judge me by my size, you know. Right. Do you not, or whatever. Um, and then when he pulls it out of the swamp, um, the the score, mm-hmm. the the this little piece of John Williams' score is one of my favorites. If you look it up on like a CD, it's just called Yoda in the Force, and it starts mm-hmm. out really soft and like kind of mystical sounding, and then it just crescendos as it comes up out of the swamp and he parks it down there on the ground and right. ends with the classic line of Luke Skywalker saying, "I don't believe it." And then he says, and that is why you fail. Yep. And that's the end of the scene. And, but yeah, all the, I think Yoda and everybody does a, a bad Yoda impression, you know, right. with a voice, but it's still so good. I love that little guy in, in this movie. 
And I think that it says a lot about this because I think about Yoda in, say, um, The Clone Wars, right? Mm-hmm. In that movie, had he been introduced to audiences as he was in that, re- you know, his, you know, George Lucas's attempt at going back and doing the prequels, mm-hmm. I don't think it would have had the same effect. I agree. Yeah, totally. You know, I agree. I think that it, he, that, Yoda would not have made it mm-hmm. as such a, a character that is so, um, you know, revered almost in terms of being the Jedi Master. And so, um, yeah, so they did a really good job. And yeah. it's great watching those behind the scenes shows where they, you know, because they, they've got pictures and little scenes of, of watching um, the puppeteers underneath trying you know animating mm-hmm. yoda and it's it's pretty incredible yeah it is i mean it's i mean from the very beginning when you see him he's introduced and he's kind of screwing around with luke right and then all of a sudden you know he like kind of you know gives us tired sigh because you know luke is being an impetuous you know young jerk right and he just all of a sudden his face just kind of subtly changes and you just totally buy this is a centuries old jedi mm-hmm. you know and you, and you believe it Right. And that's the kind of one of the magic things of this film. Agreed. All right. Um, well, my number two is Leia. So I think you begin to see in the first one, you know, she's a princess mm-hmm. and she's rescued. And I mean, and you, she's capable, but her role in the first one is really to be rescued. Right. Um, and here you begin to see her become becoming the general yeah. that she becomes in the force awakens you know like she's uh she starts out she is at the rebel base she's the last one to leave it's actually han who's like dragging her out right you know like yes i'm leaving but we got to get you onto your ship first um and she's still back there trying to like get her crew out and get everybody out uh, off the base giving like, orders to the very end to the very very end and so you be, you're beginning to see her as an actual rebel leader, you know, and that's pretty awesome. Um, she doesn't trust Lando. She's got a bad feeling about this, mm-hmm. um, which everybody gets to say that line in each of the movies. Well, somebody says it in, in each, each movie. movie. I've got a bad feeling about this, and she gets to say it mm-hmm. in um, in this movie. Right. But um, but she doesn't trust him, and she's right. Like she knows that things aren't feeling right, that they've lost C-3PO, that nobody's all that worried about it. Right. Um, and then, you know, turns out that she is correct. <laughs> and then while they're escaping, she is actually the one who does most of the rear guard fighting. Lando is leading. All right. And, um, you know, you kind of get the impression that perhaps Chewbacca is staying pretty close to Lando in case... You know, he decides to be turn on them again, but um, she's doing most of the rear guard fighting, and so you get to see her as a competent fighter, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so she's not just to be rescued in this movie. Like she get you really get to a picture of her as a um, as a competent leader, and you know, and then it's really exciting to watch it again and be like, yeah, she's gonna be general. Skywalker here really soon, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, not soon, but um, and then you know, I even like I've read a lot of articles about you know the um, their 
Leia and Han's burgeoning romance and right. you know oh that typical bad boy I'm not going to leave you alone I'm not going to leave you alone I'm not going to leave you alone and then finally the girl swoons right um, but I really read it a different way this time like she's a princess she is a rebel leader she can't just swoon no matter who it is it doesn't really matter what guy it is who is attracted to her who she might be attracted to she's a leader she can't just kind of fall apart and be like oh go all googly eyed yeah, for someone who's her subordinate right exactly so it makes more sense looking at it for me in that perspective like um. He drives her nuts because she is attracted to him. Um, but also, she's a leader. She can't just, you know, be giving him preferential treatment. She can't just be making out with him in the hallways when nobody's looking. Right. You know, so it, it is a, it's kind of a great little developing romance. And it's not until they're kind of off on their own in yeah. Cloud City that they can really even begin Let to... Let their guard down. Yeah, and become... Um, and, and get to know each other and develop a relationship, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Um, and I know you and I have always uh, battled it out over who gets to say I love you and who gets to say I know. I get um, to say I know. <laughs> well, just just remember that when we get to Return of the Jedi... Yeah, she says it. Yeah, it's, it's reversed. reversed. He does look at her and goes, oh, I love you. And she goes, I know. So even that role reversal there, like they've developed in their relationship enough that, you know, it's a back and forth. Yeah. Right, babe? Of course. Just like us. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I haven't really thought about that before, that in the first movie, she, I mean, she's essentially just a courier. She's currying yeah. inform, you know, information, vital information, but that's, you know, and now she's a military leader. Correct. So, and so. that's pretty neat. Yeah, I liked it. I It was really good to watch it again and be like, oh yeah, she's, she's really a capable rebel leader yeah first yeah all right my last favorite thing and this was tough i came down to a couple things but uh and if you ask me tomorrow it might be something different but for this i'm going to say it's uh the asteroid field (laughs) the chase through the asteroid field um and again just the effects with the spaceships you know the tie fighters you know chasing around the the falcon the millennium falcon like you know like flies you Mm -hmm. know and just the falcon just roaring, you know, you know, across the stars. It all still to this day I feel looks great. Mm-hmm. It holds it up. You don't. You, you at no point when we were watching this, where I was like, "Oh man, that looks really fake." Did you see the potato? No, I did not see the potato, but I know about the potato. Um, and it just yeah, still. I mean, those those models and the work that they did, incredible. As as good as any CGI stuff today, I yeah. feel. Um. And it just also, you know, it reminds me a little bit of a real life thing. I've mentioned in a previous podcast that my family were commercial fishermen in Alaska for a long time. And so right before the asteroid stuff happens, they're, you know, they want to jump to light speed. They can't. Something broke down. And you see Chewie and Han diving into like the bowels of the Falcon, into the engine compartments, trying to well, figure out, you know, fix what's going on. And that always reminds me of my dad. Because there's always, there's seemingly, we're working up there, something would happen, and he'd have to pull open the hatch to the engine room in our boat, jump down in there, monkey with something, you know, and so that always reminds me of that, and then when they first, you run into the first asteroid, and Han runs back up to the cockpit, you just, no hesitation, you know, yes, we're going to fly through this asteroid field, just the, 
the level of confidence to the point of stupidity. You know, Never tell me the odds. You know, is totally really sets uh, in stone what the character of Han Solo. I know <laughs> what he is. Uh, also, uh, again, the music, the mm-hmm. piece of score uh, that John Williams wrote for the asteroid field is, I feel, it is unlike anything else in the Star Wars um, movie scores. Oh, it really? sounds so much different than anything else, I think, and it's. And I really like it. Um, yeah, so the asteroid chase. Um, the stuff inside the asteroid when they go to hide, I don't care for that a ton. Um, but the, all the chase stuff, diving around the, the rocks, the TIE fighters when they bonk into an asteroid and all of a sudden there's like the electricity sparking off as they spin out of control and explode. I mean, those things, it's just so cool because, you know, those are real things that they built and they exist in the real world, not just in a computer. And I just that means that means something to me. Yeah. So, so that's my last favorite thing. Oh, today. The, today <laughs> it was between that and then, of course, the Vader Luke Skywalker lightsaber duel at the end, because mm-hmm. just the how like that's kind of almost filmed in silhouette, like the color of that whole scene. I right. I love that. But I went with the asteroid field. Even though you snuck that last one in yep. there too. You, you, you that did that. not did not sneak by me. Okay. Um. Yeah. So my third one was just I liked the darker, grittier, edgier feel to the Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um. In this one, you get to see that there is a cost to war, that there is a cost to this battle, and I think that that is. I mean, everyone. Everyone survives, but right. Han is lost, mm-hmm. you know? And so you definitely have this situation where there are, there's a cost, like war is not easy. Oh, sure. And so I just thought that was really good. I thought it was um, one of the best pieces there um, that was a great addition to to this movie. I mean, it... It lends more gravity, I think, to the overall trilogy. Yeah. So the shift in tone is really, really big right. from the first movie, and pro- and really needed. I mean, yeah. that's what makes it special. Correct. Correct. So, um, and even just the title, "The Empire Strikes Back," that mm-hmm. you know, that again, this is a battle. It's not just these are, you know, these leaders who um, are just overthrown by a ragtag band of rebels. You right. know, like. They have um, a strategy. They have an army. They, you know, they are relentlessly pursuing these rebels. Yep. So I just thought it, I I like that. I like that piece, that part in that that uh, more not serious but more weighty. Yeah. Addition. Well, as a kid, I kind of didn't like the Empire Strikes Back because the good guys don't win. Right. You know, but I like it way more now as as an adult. I mm-hmm. mean, don't get me wrong. I watched The Empire Strikes Back all the time as a kid, but it was still always with, you know, it doesn't end like the first one does, and always that's like that's why it's like, when does the next one come out? Because right. they need to win. Right, so. and I think that that is part of what makes the Star Wars trilogy endure, is that in, um, is that both kids and adults can like 
the trilogy, but for different reasons. Yeah. You know, and that those reasons will change as you become an adult. Because it really was, I don't necessarily know that The Empire Strikes Back was my favorite when I was younger either. Um, but I, I definitely remember, like, the point at which I watched it as, you know, a young adult, like in college, and watching the trilogy again and being like, yeah, the second one's definitely my favorite. Yeah. I think that if you were to take like a poll of favorite Star Wars movies, I think Empire probably wins it. Uh, If you were to poll Star Wars fans as their overall favorite Star Wars movie, I would not be surprised if Empire was the winner at that poll. Okay. Based on... Just based on conversations and, you know, I've seen polls like that online as well and just... You know, and talking to other Star Wars fans, you, it's it's rare that you don't find somebody that puts Empire at the top of the list. Okay. I feel. I, okay. Okay. So, um, all right, this is the part where we talk about things that we maybe didn't like so much about it. Uh huh. Is there anything that you didn't like? Oh sure. Um, and just and this is kind of I don't know how to well when uh when Leia kisses Luke, mm-hmm. you know, and that's. And that's more of a... That's not really a thing that I... Why I don't like it is because George Lucas has always said that when we eventually find out that they're brother and sister. So now when it happens, you watch it now, you yeah, know, people like, go, ew. ew. Well, the thing is, when he says... When George Lucas says, oh, that was always my intention that they were brother and sister. That and is I, not true. And that is a lie. I believe that is a lie. No, he did not. That he, I think he just, he just didn't want there to be like a love triangle and that was just his way of getting out of it so and so when i see that now it just makes me think of that and it bothers me Mm -hmm. um we're watching the uh, the special editions you know that came out in the 90s where they added some extra stuff in there and that extra stuff well it was cool to see it in the theater at the time because any reason to go see one of these movies in a theater again is fine Mm -hmm. and at the time i was like oh neat something different something new and now when i watch them it's like oh it's something that kind of stands out that doesn't necessarily need to be there so i don't really care for a lot of the extra stuff they added in for the special editions mm-hmm. um and but really that's that's it you know and of course the good guys don't win right um well so i'm not um much of a luke skywalker fan i mm-hmm. know this is this is what's going to get us emails right here you're going to get a whole bunch of emails because i just said that um but the reality is, is that I find Luke to be um, a, a little whiny. Oh, not a little whiny. Completely whiny. He's complaining all the time. He's mm-hmm. super impatient. He's not happy about stuff. Like, yep. I mean, and and I, you know, I, I don't necessarily think I always liked that when I was growing up either. But watching it now, it's just, it is rough listening to him complain all the time. I want to be a Jedi. I want to be a Jedi. I want to be a Jedi. Just like my dad. I want to be a Jedi. Why isn't this? Why is this training so slow? This training isn't fast enough. I need to leave. Why isn't that? Like, why am? How come I'm not ready? When am I going to be ready? Like, he's just always complaining, and I just feel like it is. You know, Yoda is trying to like counsel him and teach him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have to believe in the process and you have to do these things and you have to learn to discipline your mind. And he's like, I don't want to discipline my mind. I want to go like fight and save my friends and then he's but i want to be a jedi just like my dad so hurry up and get me to be a jedi you know like it's just it's it's frustrating to watch it um 
And so it's just not my favorite. He's just not my favorite character. And so it is, um, you know, that impatience. And I, I get it that he's impatient, but I also find it ever so frustrating. And I, and, and I can say that saying, like, I'm not particularly thrilled with the way people, you know, have chose, chosen to hide his identity from him and hide his sister and hide his father, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, but at the same time, I'm also like, oh my gosh, just be quiet for two minutes and listen to the people around you. Come on. Um, and, you know, and, and again, you see that partial training play out so frequently. I mean, and you've got Yoda saying, and this is why you fail. And this is why you may not succeed when you go try to rescue your friends mm-hmm. because you won't quiet your mind. You won't follow the force, you know, like, and, and so he, he has to get it all by instinct ultimately. Um, and you know, he survives. That's great at the end, you know, the trilogy and, but I don't know. There's a lot of luck involved. <laughs> Well, in that, in that actually what you bring up is also another reason why I didn't like The Empire Strikes Back as a kid. Because mm-hmm. after the first movie, Luke was my guy. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, we'll eventually do a podcast on the first movie, so I'll leave the reasons as to why I loved Luke so much in the first movie to that. But then the, the return of the, the, the Empire Strikes Back rolls around, and all of a sudden they see my, my guy being such you know a whiny, complainy, you know, and just like I was like, well, that's not the hero that he's supposed to be. Right. What's going on? Why is he being a ah? Oh, you know, <laughs> why is he acting that way? I don't. He's supposed to be the hero. That's not how he's supposed to act. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that bothered me too. Uh, one of the reasons why I didn't like it. Um. And yeah. And you know, Mark. I love Mark Hamill. You know, he's a national treasure. But some of his acting is a little rough. You could tell that he was. Um early in his career yeah. when he does these. You yeah. know, he is definitely a much more accomplished actor now. You know, or just a better actor. Like, he's more enjoyable to watch Yeah. Um, in in his roles now than he was then. then. I mean, he's young, and you can tell, you know, that he is young. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's just, I mean, again, I know y'all are going to write... Uh, into our podcast, which is great, um, but huh, Luke Skywalker is not my guy. I will say it's interesting in the Star Wars comics being written right now how they're looking at Luke because they're taking place between this movie and the first movie, and how Luke is kind of dealing with all of a sudden being you know whoever from a nowhere planet to he's almost a celebrity now. Everybody knows the guy that blew up the Death Star. Oh yeah, and you know, and he's a young kid who's suddenly a war hero. A famous war hero you know and him and that kind of helps explain maybe you know why he is like the way he is in this movie because oh, yeah. you know, okay which i found interesting in the way they're the guys that are writing the comics right now and what yeah. they're doing with that nice okay um anything well i i say this with great hesitation since uh-huh. i know um if i just say anything we could talk about this movie for probably an hour um, well, we've already almost done that. I, well, for an extra hour. So what were one or two additional pieces that maybe you'd like to talk about? Huh. Um, well, I don't know about additional pieces. I found a couple things interesting that um, 
uh, George Lucas um, paid for this movie himself. Yeah. He wanted to not have to be beholden to a major studio, so he bankrolled eighteen million dollars, which seems which nothing gets made for that. But it was yeah. only cost yeah. eighteen million dollars is you know insane. But yeah, he bankrolled it himself and made all his money back within three months of the film's release. And apparently like paid out a bunch of bonus money to uh, his employees you know, mm-hmm. once he started raking in the cash. Um, it's the uh, the movie that has the least involvement of George Lucas himself. I know. Which is interesting, though, because he did a bunch of the reshoots himself. So Yeah, but you know, he didn't direct it. He was the executive producer. He kind of like, I think he was around for more dealing with a lot of the special effects stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't on set. It don't, doesn't look like for a bunch of it. Um, so I found that interesting. Right. Uh, on IMDb, did you see the thing about the planet that NASA essentially, it has like a name that's just like a bunch of random numbers and letters, but the people at NASA essentially refer to it as Hoth. Oh, that's, that's like awesome. It's like its name <laughs> is Hoth, which I found. That's fantastic. Pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I think that's really all. Mm-hmm. Other than it's just you know it's just so great to revisit it yeah. anytime. Yeah, it is interesting and disappointing though that James Earl Jones is still not credited. Yeah, that was interesting. In I never n- noticed that before. Yeah, he actually wasn't credited in the first two movies. Um, yeah. It's not until yeah we um, sat through all of the ending credits. And I was just listening and to the actually music, watched so them I wasn't pretty. I was, I was watching. You were watching. I was. I was more just paying, listening to the the score as it mm-hmm. plays out. And you kind of brought up as they rolled through all the actors that James Earl Jones's name didn't show up. Right. And so we watched to the end, and it never shows up anywhere mm-hmm. in the credits. Yeah, it's not in either of them, huh. uh, in either of the first two movies. And I guess that was at his request. Really. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I think so. I I was doing a little, you know, internet research to try and find out why, and there's a lot of different kind of conflicting accounts out there. But it was that um, it was it was at his request. That seems to be consistent. Okay. Um, but why is everything from, you know, he didn't really think it was going to be like that big of a deal when he did it for oh, okay. the first one, and uh-huh. he was like, well, I don't want necessarily my name on that. Got it. Um, but then. All, you know, another one was that, you know, he just felt like he didn't do, he wasn't necessarily doing all the acting. He was just providing the voiceover. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he was going to give credit to the actual actor. Um, but I just found that to be really, really interesting. Um, especially since, you know, yeah, these are the re-released versions. Yeah. And I would have thought that they would have added it, the credit, him to the credits at that yeah, time now, so like retroactively, um, and apparently not. So yeah. it'll be interesting because uh, we talked a bit about closing loops when we talked about Avengers, but you know Luke gets his hand cut off and that lightsaber, mm-hmm. you know, disappears and it come and it's now come back. Right. You know, it was in the Force Awakens. There's eventually got to be a story of how, of how it got back you know why did it end up in like with Maz Kanata and the Force Awakens right. so looking forward to this something from this movie that's gonna have to be help explain explained. how it got there yeah. yeah although I mean while yes that is true 
I also kind of like the fact that in the first one, they're like, oh my gosh, where'd you get that lightsaber? And she's like, that's a story for another day. Oh, and I didn't like that. And, oh, I see, I did. Because I think sometimes the best part of, of movies is that you are left wondering things. Not everything is like you know, taken from a five... There's not always these five-minute, like, memory clouds of blue, 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 blue. Let's go oh, back sure. in time and I just don't like that line, this. I guess. Oh, I I kind of like it just because I think it's... It is nice. Like, you know what? You're right. That That is a great story. Um, We don't have time to do that little memory bubble right now because mm-hmm. we're currently being attacked. Um, So they might explain it. They might not. I probably will be okay if they don't. Um, just because I kind of like that, you know, again, okay, some things are happening. This time is passing. People are scavenging through, um, you know, Cloud City and through the trash that falls down to the surface of the, of the planet. And then Maz Kanata is the only one who knows what it is and trades for it or something. I don't know. Like, it's a great idea to think about that. Right. I think it could be a great story though to to show I know it doesn't necessarily have to be in a movie maybe it just happens in a book where you know the what happens to it you know it not necessarily just has to be like Maz Kanata found it and that's it like maybe it was exchanged hands through a bunch of people Mm -hmm. you know maybe it's somehow shaped the history of certain corners of the galaxy and we don't know about it right right, until it finally shows up comes into Maz's possession right so so it is pretty cool. So I, um, but anyway, so I like it. I thought that was cool. Yeah, for sure. So, and, and I still like the reveal of Luke Skywalker, you know, screaming, no, yeah, the, the, I am your father. And that so was, good. that was keeping that secret was like, that's a big, like behind the scenes story. Because right. only like five people knew, mm-hmm. you know, Lucas, Irvin Kirshner, one of the other producers James Earl Jones James Earl Jones when he came in to do the voiceover right and Mark Hamill the day they filmed it right and that was it and they they, like the guy who was playing Darth Vader on set they told him oh this is the line completely Mm -hmm. lying to his face and he apparently didn't know that until he watched the film for the first time in a theater and he was not happy he was pissed yes so but at the same time so they you know they were trying to keep everything under wraps anyway about and so when they thought the line was I killed your father Mm -hmm. um that made it to the tabloids. Oh, like, really? That had that actually got leaked to the press in uh, before the movie was released. So, I mean, it's probably a good thing that they had that so tightly shut down mm-hmm. because, I mean, it was such, it's such a great it reveal. It becomes one of the more iconic reveals in movie history. Right. So you just don't see that anymore. I wish more movies did stuff like that where they just kept. The secret. Yeah. You know, instead, they try, I mean, like, think about if that movie were being released right now, that would be one of the selling points is... Yeah, it would be in a know, trailer. Yeah. They wouldn't keep those, like, important bits, those important, yeah. like, game-changing moments a secret. Those are always in the trailers. So, I, you know, I like it. And I spent the next however many years between that and Return of the Jedi going... He's that's a, he's lying. That can't be true. It cannot be. That can't be true. You know. So, it, but yeah, but yeah. This nowadays they would put that in a trailer and totally ruin it. 
Right. So, but like, but like Game of Thrones for the next season, they're already talking about how they're going to film fake stuff to throw off people trying to get. Uh, well, you already had this last season get hacked and stolen, yeah. so why not? They're going to film fake scenes just to try to throw off people. Right. And I feel like, I mean, I get why people just get so excited mm-hmm. and they're like, I want to know, I want to know, I want to be the first to know. But at the same time, you got to enjoy the movie. Yeah. Like, it's exciting to not know. That's why you go to the movie to find out, right? Right. It's why you read a book and you don't turn to, to the, the end, end really fast because yeah. that's not the point of going through the story. Mm-hmm. So So yeah, so I mean, and and we will do that from pretty, you know, you're already not reading or watching anything about um the, the, the Last the Jedi. Last Jedi. Yeah. After the last trailer came out, I'm like, I'm good. I don't need to see anything Right. More. And so that's kind of that piece again is to try and preserve some of the anticipation. What am I going to see? Surprises, yeah. You know, we kind of have to go, we'll, we'll enjoy all the trailers up to a certain point and then we have to just stop reading about mm-hmm. it or watching anything on it because, yeah, it's going to be exciting to get to sit in there and watch it and not know what's coming. Yes. Okay. Well, I think, unless you got something else, I think we're good for The Empire Strikes Back. I think so, too. All right. Well, until next week, when we're going to revisit Star Wars again with The Force Awakens. Correct. In advance of, finally, on December 15th, The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you have any uh, any thoughts yourself on Star Wars in general or The Empire Strikes Back and want to share them with us, uh, you can write us to ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. If you have a, perhaps a cool beer you want to suggest we try for one of our podcasts, that'd be cool. Uh, we actually heard from one of the guys at Sudwork. I forget his name, but we actually heard from a brewery we talked about. He's going to be sending us some stuff in the mail. So we'll Ooh, talk I'm about, so excited. We'll talk about Sudwork uh, again. And thanks for that uh, when it shows up. Um, and I feel like I'm forgetting something. Am I not? I don't think so. Okay. Well, until next week... Go see a movie. And may the force be with you.